This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles, on the Rockstar Radio Network. On the show today, you'll find out where book publishing is going and how to take advantage of it. How to identify and avoid publishing predators. What opportunities are emerging as the book trade evolves in new forms. How to avoid losing money and much, much more. Join us now as a variety of publishing pros will deliver insights and strategies to take the author to the next, next level of publishing. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Have you ever tried to put together something and you know you have to do it? You know every author, every writer needs this information from the get-go, but somehow you don't get it put together from the get-go. Well, (laughs) I'm going to pick on myself today because coming from a financial background where my very first books were on finance, the first book was called The Woman's Guide to Financial Savvy back in 1981, like a gazillion years ago, um, which launched me on this whole path of publishing and thinking it was going to be my only book. And little did I know that books breed more books. Um, and that I, I did have, because of that background, and I was in financial planning, I did understand taxes. Heck, I did taxes. So I got that. And, and what sometimes those of us who live and breathe these things forget that a lot of times other people don't live and breathe them to the depth, to the degree, to the knowledge, to even the tuning in awareness of it. So... I've been wanting to have, and my guest for this hour, Carol Topp, has has really reached out to me through uh, one of my connections on LinkedIn and said, hey, let's talk. And we've been chit-chatting back and forth on email, and I finally just said, enough's enough. And and actually, it was I was doing some programs on taxes, um, on strategies, because I do a, another radio show where I am a weekly guest in South Carolina every Monday afternoon on money tips. And I always have them focused starting in February through the the, the uh, uh, when the bill goes off April fifteenth. Some strategies for taxes, and I said I have got to get Carol on this show. So. Carol is going to be with us, and I hope she will be recurring because taxes and money and writing strategies and business strategies um, around the financial arena really should be considered from the very get-go, from the from the first time you really get one inkling that, by golly, guy, gosh, um, I might make money on this. I might want to turn this into a vocation versus an avocation. And what do I need to do? So let me tell you about Carol. She's a CPA. She, her, her website is taxesforwriters.com. She is both an author, which is a very good thing because she understands the hiccups here. And she's an accountant who specializes in taxes for writer. She converts the tax rules that we have today in business language into clear, easy to understand English for your listeners and readers. She's the author of several books, including Business Tips and Taxes for Writers and Micro Business for Teens series. And her book, Starting a Micro Business, was actually converted into a PBS television show. She comes from Ohio this morning, and welcome, or I should say this afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this podcast. Carol, welcome. 
Hey, Judith. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, we uh, we should have we should have talked during tax season, but it was kind of busy for both of us. But this is this is still important stuff, even if the tax returns were filed, right? Yeah. Well, the good news is I don't do taxes anymore. <laughs> you, <laughs> still, you still yeah. do. All right. Well, why don't we just kind of jump into this um, a little bit, and and then one of the things I always ask um, my guest is to come up with some questions you wish people would ask that somehow they don't. So let's just kind of throw the very first one on the table, and and when Carol does an author really move from being what I call a casual or a hobbyist to writing to a business. I, you know, I, the IRS would say when you develop a profit motive, but I think, um, sorry, my phone is going a little nuts. Um, I think your, one of your guests on your podcast said it best, Nick Taylor, you had on a few weeks ago, and he said, writing is a hobby, but publishing is a business. So you kind of, you kind of alluded to it in the intro when you said you, you kind of one day say, oh my gosh, I could make money at this, or this is going to be my, my vocation, not my hobby anymore. So there's a, there's a mindset, a switch that says, uh, I'm going to pursue this. I'm going to get published. And then all of a sudden you are on the track to being a business because publishing is a business. Writing can just be a hobby. Well, I think that that, Carol, actually is when I talk with groups. I, I just uh, was in Chicago over the weekend speaking at another publishing conference. And um, I was doing, actually, I had on my uh, being the Twitter queen hat on during that mm-hmm. conference. Talked about Twitter strategies uh, for marketing books for authors. But one of the things that separates uh, authors from writers, and there's been a lot of dialogue on the Internet within the LinkedIn uh, communities about what's an author and what's a writer. Writer and when do you, what label do you mm-hmm. use? And for me, an author does books. I mean, it's yeah. very clearly, distinctly, you're into the book book. Writers could be authors, mm-hmm. but they also do articles. They do commercial brochures. They do a, a variety of other things where they, too, can get paid and often quite handsomely. And then there's this other subgroup who are what I call the casuals and the hobbyists. They just like to write. And yeah. they and, and they just like the flow and they like to do the source. They really don't care where they go. They just like to write. Mm-hmm. And that's true of a lot of bloggers. You know, they're out there just blogging because they like to write. There's a lot of people in my writers group. Belong to two of them here here in Ohio. And yeah, a lot of them don't ever care if they're published. They just love writing. It's sort of like I like a painting, but I'm never going to sell one of my one of my paintings. Ah, exactly. You know, I just I'm going to be in Ohio and Columbus speaking for a group on the 15th of August. I just that just dropped into my head for some reason. We should probably arrange something and come with you. All right. So writing. So what what is the things that if a writer is is seeing themselves, if their vision is to go down that path and really look at some way to monetize, what steps should he or she be doing right now? Well, you know, I had an author, uh, an author, she's a writer, I'll correct my own language here, come up to me at a writer's conference and she said, Carol, I'll buy your book when I make money. And my book is called Business Tips and Taxes for Writers. And oh, I said to her, stop. Oh, you, need, you need the book before you make money. You need the book as soon as you spend money. So I tell authors, uh, you know, it's when you spend money that you are basically starting a business and you need the tools of record keeping and some advice, not when you make it. That might be too late, you know. Um, 
So the things they need are a little bit of understanding of the whole business world, a little understanding of the business language, um, which, you know, you can you can get by, you know, spending a little money and, and getting my book in Kindle or, or paperback format. That's a really good place to start because I tried to put it in simple language. And then you go from there. Then you get more sophisticated, and there's always more to learn, isn't there, Judith? There's always more to learn about the marketing aspect of your book and um, more, more and more and more about um, – taxes and record-keeping, business practices, things like that. Well, I, I, one of the things I do believe that if you are, if you've, if you've crossed over from hobbyist to, by golly, I'm spending some money now, which is where you defined this is when you need to start paying attention. <laughs> when you go past the point where you've bought a few pencils, <laughs> you're ready to move yeah. into it. Yeah. Uh, when you start buying software programs to support your structure and to move into those things, when you start attending conferences, um, yeah, that's, you're that's starting a big one right to- there. Yeah, because you've dropped quite a bit of money to attend a conference, and you probably have the pursuit of getting published. Otherwise, you're not going to put in the effort of being at a conference. Well, there's, there's no question. I mean, I have uh, we today. Th- this, this the first broadcast of this show is on May second. We are at the Author You Extravaganza. I have a hundred and eighty authors piling in here within one hour, <laughs> where they are going Ooh. to be doing a deep dive dinner workshop mm-hmm. for four hours on the ins and outs and all the intricacies of blogging. Um, and how to really create a rock star blog that takes off. That's what the first four hours is all about tonight. And that, you know, that's not cheap. Now, um, there's there's travel costs. There is hotel costs. There is uh, the conference cost. I mean, one of the things that separates the author you extravaganza from so many conferences is we actually feed you. We feed the belly and the brain. So that you, you have that there, but still there are costs involved in there. So you need to have a separate a separate file you need to have separate paperwork and carol they should have a business checking account should they not oh well yes see i think it just keeps life so much easier and keeps life simpler when you have a separate checking account um now it's probably a problem because <laughs> early on uh writers and authors before they get money are spending money so i tell them well then take a take a lump sum of money a nice round dollar amount 1000 or 2000 and move it out of your personal into that business checking account and then spend it down. And hopefully, you, you know, you're going to get income before you spend it down. And then what you do after you've made some profit is you pay yourself back or you, you basically loan your writing business a lump sum of money and then you can pay your pay yourself back that loan. And, and it doesn't show up in the tax return. It's not income nor is it an expense on the tax return. It's just a transfer of money. We'll call it seed money or startup money. But, yeah, you probably need to do that. Have your own separate checking account. It's so much easier for record keeping. You know, even if you have to go into the office depot or the staples and give them two different debit cards because one you're buying for personal, one you're buying for business, I do that all the time only because I want to keep my business expenses separate from my personal life. Well, that's just, I mean, number one, and we have one minute before our first break here, but that's, that's just common sense. I, I think that, they're, that number one, there's no exception. That's what they should be 
doing. But let me ask you this before we do run in the break. You said uh, on the seating, would it be appropriate if they're going to say, let's say, take $1,000? Would it make appropriate to loan it in officially, like with a paper? I loan X amount of dollars to uh, Judas Author Venture, <laughs> fill in the blank, what we call it, and, and have it there so you show it, it comes off, or if it doesn't work, you know, what, how could you handle that? Um, it, it, um, it gets a little complicated, and this is where I would advise somebody on a personal level to be perfectly blind. But, um, yeah. yeah, it wouldn't hurt. It's more a reminder to yourself that I put in some money to this. But it's the, the expenses that that $1,000 went to are what becomes uh, visible to the IRS. The critical. $1,000 on, yeah. All right, we're going to be right back. We're talking writers, authors, taxes, tips, all the things to keep you out of deep doo-doo as well as you go on and expand your authoring enterprise. I'm Judith Riles. We'll be right back. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Is there a book in you or another? Author You will show you how to create, develop, and publish your book without being hoodwinked. If you already have a book out, you'll find a supportive and brainstorming community that's connected and creative no matter where you live. Author U brings in national experts for its book camps and annual author extravaganza held each May. It has regular meetings and delivers webinars for its members on timely topics. Through Author U's extensive network, members enjoy exclusive benefits, including significant discounts for a variety of services necessary to publishing. The Resource, its online book publishing news magazine, is content-heavy and it's free. If you want to create a book that has pizzazz, punch, and panache, Author U is for you. If you're a hobbyist or a casual author, it's not. Join Author U today through its website at authoru.org. Follow Author U on Twitter at Author U and on Facebook at Author U, where timely author and publishing tips and articles are posted daily. Author U, where the author goes to become seriously successful. sell stuff? Do you want to sell books? Lots of them? If yes, you must take credit cards, the most widely used form of payment today. The Free Terminal has created a special program for your guide to book publishing listeners. No contract. All equipment is free. Extremely low rates and no termination fees ever. Contact Alan Dean at Alan at thefreeterminal.com or call him at 303-668-6828. The Free Terminal has handled all credit card transactions for both Author You and Judith for over a year. Don't wait another day. Contact Alan at thefreeterminal.com or call 303-668-6828 and tell him you want the no-contract Author You deal. picture tells a story and it's a truism that people do judge a book by its cover nick selinger and nz graphics have been in the business of producing superior graphic cover design and interior layout for self-published authors independent and traditional publishers for years he has developed a reputation for excellent work 
fast turnarounds, and best of all, affordable pricing. NZ Graphics also produces ebooks and book marketing materials such as posters, sell sheets, postcards, bookmarks, business cards, logos, and more. Books designed for his clients have won multiple book awards, including Best Book Award by U.S. Book News, multiple Evie Awards from the Colorado Independent Publishers Association, Indie Book Awards, the San Francisco Book Festival Award, and Freedom Medal Award from Valley Forge. Visit www.nzgraphics.com or call 303-985-4174 for more details about making your book the success it should be. Mention that you are an FOJ, friend of Judith's, and that you heard about NZ Graphics on your guide to book publishing. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author, your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Right. Today is all about taxes and tips and how to keep uh, out of getting out of trouble um, and, and uh, declaring the wrong thing or maybe how to make sure you declare the, the right thing and you allocate it appropriately to keep your tax obligations down, number one, and number two, to make sure that you take advantage of what's deductible and know what's not deductible. My guest this this hour is Carol Topp. She is a CPA, specializes in authors and writers. She's the author of many, many, many books, including business tips and taxes for writers that you can get on Amazon. So, Carol, as we went to the break, we were talking about the hobby versus the business and what you should be doing. And we were, we were just getting into a few things, and you talked about, this, let's do the setup. How do we set this up so we know it's right? We both agree you need a separate checking account. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, it's nice from a record-keeping perspective. I had, I had one tax client who did not have a separate checking account, and he had to, of course, pay me to disentangle. Dis- entangle things at tax time and I'm and I'm saying well, why is there a vet bill he actually did just sometimes have a business checking account but he used personal things why are you paying the vet and the kids pediatrician out of your business account because <laughs> he was too lazy to move money back and forth and he, like I said he had to pay me to to unravel it so just keep them separate it's easier for record keeping and then you know if you made a profit or not how else do you know if you're making money if you can't keep your checking accounts separate Carol, what about having, do you need a separate tax ID number for each one of these accounts? No, you don't. Matter of fact, most of the time, uh, writers are going to be a sole proprietorship, meaning one owner, not a partner, not a corporation. And you only need one employer identification number. You get it for free from the IRS for all the businesses you will ever start. You just have different names, but they will, the IRS only will give you one employer identification number to you as an individual. So I just have five different businesses, and I'm going to use that same EIN number for the rest of my life. 
All right. So on the e, the EIN number, which is stands for Employee Identification Number, EIN. Yep. So you're saying that if I had a vet business, I would use the same EIN as as a writer's business as something for a catering business. Yeah, but you would you register different names, obviously, for those different businesses with your state, and you would file different uh, tax forms for each of those different businesses because they're so very different in their expenses and and in their income. So, and you're saying that that would all come under this sole proprietorship type of thing? Is that correct? That's right. Sole proprietors meaning okay. meaning single owners, individual owners. Uh, just are issued one EIN for the IRS for all the businesses they're ever going to have in their lifetime. All right. So that would be your umbrella, so to speak. Now, yes. you know, we also talk about other ways, and that that LLC has certainly become a popular form in the last what twenty years, mm-hmm. um, and the limited liability company or to get away from the uh, jargon here, but yeah. what is it, and and what what will having an LLC status do for an author, and does it matter? That's a really good question, and, and I, I'm a big proponent of saying the jargon is important because if we use the proper word, we're going to think properly about our business. So LLC stands for Limited Liability Company. I have one author who was very confused. She thought that she was a corporation because she thought the C in LLC stood for corporation. I thought, this is very odd. She's a first-time self-published author of a memoir. There was no reason for her to form a corporation. Those are overly complex business structures. And, And when I got to drilling down and asking, she said, oh, I don't know, my CPA and my lawyer just sent me up with an LLC. And I thought, ma'am, you need to understand the language of the business that you just walked into, you know, and understand you're not a corporation, you're a limited liability company. And what that did for her, why the reason her lawyer set it up, although personally, Judith, I think it was overkill for a self-published first-time memoir, is it provides you limited liability, meaning that if anybody sues your your company, your business, the liability, the damages for that lawsuit are limited to the business and they can't go after your personal assets, your house, your retirement funds, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's let's continue, Carol, on this memoir yeah. line. Um, if, yeah. if we are talking uh, uh, 75 shades of gray, <laughs> or 50 <laughs> shades of gray or 12 shades of gray, if you're getting into some juicy, if you're doing a memoir and you've got some juicy stuff, that you could put expose yourself, um, put yeah. yourself at risk, that yeah. might be a good idea. Um, but sure. I will say this to our author listeners, that if you have got anything that might have a risk factor to it, I know I'm working with an author as the book shepherd on a memoir that involves someone in jail. In fact, she helped put him there. There is some liability risk for her and her family in this venture. So um, she's protected. Good. And you can't stop a lawsuit from coming. You can't stop it. So you still probably, I have professional liability as a CPA. Obviously, I have insurance to cover uh, what we call errors and omissions. So if you want to sue me, fine. My insurance is going to cover. But the liability will be limited to my business as a CPA and as a CPA author giving advice it's going to be limited to my business you can't go and get my retirement fund and things like that that's why i went and got llc status for my sole proprietorship my accounting business um it doesn't change my tax structure it's just a, a 
a legal structure offered by my state. And it, you, you go to your state and you get that status. It's not terribly difficult. You might bring in an attorney if you want to understand better what's involved um, and the pros and the cons of it. Some states are more complicated. California is definitely more complicated, and you definitely want a lawyer to advise you there. Mm-hmm. And, and and I know in Colorado, which is my home state now for the last 23 years, that it's it's strictly a matter of going up and pay 50 bucks and yeah. forming and getting Signing it using paperwork. their forms. Yeah. And then yeah. um, what I'm after sometimes is getting just your name and protected what you want. And then you can also mm-hmm. come on to amendments and get that. So um, um, I, I know we're in the middle of getting ready to develop something that we want to launch next year that's fairly going to be fairly complex and large, and we went after to grab it very quickly just to have the name before someone else took it. Yeah. Yep. And so there, there are times when you bring in a CPA and get advice from them, and then there are times when you go to a lawyer and get advice from them. So any, any author who's, who's, again, gone from that, I'm writing as a hobbyist, and now I'm in the publishing world, mm-hmm. at least start with doing some self-education and doing some reading about this stuff. Matter of fact, on, on my website, Taxes for Writers, my chapter on limited liability companies is out there for free. They can go read that chapter from the book for free and get a little more educated about what limited liability company status gets an author. All right, so we'll just repeat that, taxesforwriters.com. Just go to it, download the free chapter on limited liability companies, and read away. Yes, under the table of contents. So, mm-hmm. yep. Also, I'm going to recommend to all our listeners that I'm, I'm a big proponent of going to YouTube and doing some searches and finding some information. Mm-hmm. Before you start getting into opening up them, you know what? You can read what comments people say. If, they, if you see a bunch that say, this is an utter waste of time, pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> it it trusts yeah. trust the process here. All right, so be- before we go to our next break, we've got a couple of minutes here. Would you tell me, and then when we come back out of the break, I want to talk about some of the common mistakes that get made okay. routinely, mm-hmm. routinely. But when should an author consider creating a full-blown corporation? I've got a benchmark. You're not going to find this written down in any IRS guide, but my benchmark is when you're making at least $50,000 profit a year, that's just a benchmark for me, then we're going to start maybe talking about corporate status, or, and you have somebody else bringing in some of that income, not just you, like you have employees or you're publishing other people and, and their work is, is bringing about sales or income to you. So those are the times to think about it. Over 50k a year in profit, before that, it, there's there's no tax benefit to it, okay? Well, and you have other people bringing in that income because then you, you might want to think about corporate status for some tax advantages. Okay. And a, and a corporate status, a very quick, a couple of them would be what? Well, you can separate your your money that you take as a salary and gets taxed. You know how we get taxed, both uh, self-employment mm-hmm. tax, which is Social Security, mm-hmm. and our income tax. Okay, so you can separate that money from what's called um, dividend income, and that would be the income that those other people, your employees and or other published authors that you publish are bringing in, and that doesn't get taxed as heavily because you don't have to pay that ugly self-employment slash Social Security tax on the dividend income from your business. Which, by the way, that's a little complicated, but... (laughs) It is complicated, and it actually did increase this year as we came into this new year. Um, at at, at for the yeah, for it went back to the gold rate of yeah, yeah the typical fifteen yeah. percent. Yep. 
Yep, it increased. It went back to what it used to be. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with the top mistakes that authors and writers routinely make and how to avoid them. I'm Judith Bryles. My wrist for this hour is Carol Topp. She's an author who specializes and a CPA with authors and writers. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Since 1987, Color House Graphics has set the standard for quality book production. Whether you decide to print a small quantity of books or need a large print run, depend on Color House to help you. You'll receive professional help and advice the moment you reach one of our representatives. If you mention hearing about us on your guide to book publishing with Judith Bryles, we will provide you with discount from the first order you place. To speak with a project manager, call us toll-free at 800-454-1916 or visit us at www.colorhousegraphics.com. When Ned Thompson and Harry Shore started Thompson Shore in 1972, they believed employees with great character would make up the best company. They were right. They hired people who were not only experts in bookmaking, but who were obsessed with quality and delivering exceptional customer service. Almost 40 years later, Thompson Shore remains a 100% employee-owned company. Ned and Harry knew that successful customer projects are a direct result of empowered employees. We specialize in all books for large and small publishers. Creating beautiful and well-made books, we're dedicated to pleasing our customers by making the experience a good one from start to finish. The personal touch we have with our customers allows us to be innovative in solving their most difficult challenges. Our platform also ensures that we can remain flexible to meet our customers' unique needs and expectations. Our marketing kit can create buzz for your title, enhancing the promotion of your book during infancy. When you need to test the market to gauge your future sales, we can provide digitally printed books that will transition seamlessly into a larger offset run. From ebook to hard copy to delivery, our skillful customer service teams are at the ready to answer your most pressing question. At Thompson Shore, we know that making the highest quality books requires more than just best technologies. It requires superior customer service, professionalism to the trade, and commitment to environmental and social values. With these standards of excellence in place, you can be sure that we will always help you put your best book forward. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask on the Rockstar Radio Network. Coming up, you'll hear more about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. All right, with me this hour is Carol Topp. She's a CPA. She specializes in working with authors and writers. She's the author of several books, including Business Tips and Taxes for Writers. And you can find her at her website with some free chapters to download. And we're going to talk about mistakes, common mistakes. Um, And you'll find out sometimes I'll disagree with my guests, which is always fine. 
and and we'll dive into it. But the first one we absolutely do agree on, and and that is what Carol. Well, the biggest mistake is authors that never finish the book, but yet take tax deductions for all the expenses. So basically, if you don't finish the book and publish it, there's nothing to write off. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> well, the IRS had a case, and I did a video blog post about it if you want to go go read. Uh, but the IRS penalized this, this man because he said he was going to write a book, a photography book, and he spent $30,000 traveling five continents taking pictures. Five years later, he, so he deducted $30,000, you know, but no income to show for it. Five years later, when the case finally gets to the IRS court, he still had not written the book, and that weighed heavily in the judge's eyes, and he lost, the author lost the case, because if he at least had written the book and showed he was going to get it published, they might have seen it as a true business venture. Instead, they said, "Not nah, you're just trying to write off your vacation. You went to these five continents, spent 30 k That's a vacation, buddy. That is not a business. So... So, and, and, and to me, that's, yeah, to me, I have to tell you, that just seems so black and white. And I'm wondering um, if he's going to IRS court that I, I, I assumed he had a, a an attorney that he yeah. is interacting so. with. And why didn't that attorney say, dude, you need to write the book? Yeah, and if it, just go, go to Create Space if you have to buy Golly and publish a few copies and make an attempt. Yes, you're absolutely right. But it was an interesting case because the man had kept logs, the author, photographer, had kept logs of here's where I went, and and but even those were, were insufficient uh, in the eyes of the IRS, or the eyes of the judge. So anyway, it was a very interesting case, and I think we could learn a lot about how how a judge is going to view tax write-offs that really don't look like they had a business purpose because you never got around to really conducting the business, which is publishing the book. Uh, Carol, so you open up an interesting door here because there is um, jargon, there is, there is chatter going on out there that says that do not, do not, do not write off anything until you have book in hand, period. Yeah, and what I'm hearing you say is that, listen, if you're really serious, because some books take more in a year or overlap a year, yeah. and you are going to have true valid expenses that are legitimate, that should be taken. So give, mm-hmm. give us some guidance here. Yeah, that's a, that's a really tricky one. And, I, and I, this is where it becomes uh, an interview between me and the author. So... Um, uh-huh. Depending upon how close you are to publishing and close you are to actually thinking you're going to sell some books, it's more likely that you can start deducting things. But a lot of authors are very conservative, like me, and a little bit fearful of the IRS. They don't like to deduct, take deductions when there's no income yet. So you've got to prove that you're in business, and proving it would be things like we talked about setting up a separate checking account, getting professional advice, um, getting the EIN number, all these things that business owners do. Even if you don't have income yet, you could deduct those things. But Judith, I just got an email from a man. He said he he never deducted any of the expenses in the 13 years it took him to write his book. Okay. Well, I don't think I would advise him to go back 13 years and no. start taking all those expenses either. No. I mean, there's no. such a thing as startup expenses you can take in the in the year you begin. Startup expenses. But boy, I'm I'm a pretty conservative CPA, and I just don't think 13 years going back that far really means he was actively pursuing 
publishing for 13 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. I think he was doing a lot of gazing in his belly button um, <laughs> and, and a, lot, a, a lot of things. But which, which what you, dear listener, didn't hear, Carol and I were chit-chatting um, offline before we came back on again. I do a lot of cruises. I do cru- two cruises a year. They're absolutely very specifically done to retreat myself. And there are two things that I do um, is that, one, I'm usually outlining a book or continuing writing a book. And the second thing is I have anywhere from four to six client manuscripts with me where I am working on them. I'm doing content editing and structuring. I actually have um, – I think my last big cell phone bill was $800. Um from doing that where I am working, working with different people and putting things together. And so what Carol says, well, I'm not sure about the scenery. I actually don't care about the scenery. I don't even, many times, I don't even get off the ship. What I want is a place that I don't have to worry about meals. I don't have to worry about my room. In fact, I have a barrier tape I have created. It's similar to what's in my book, my brand new book called Author You, Creating and Building the Author and Book Platforms. And it is like the crime seat tape. And it says, author at work, do not cross. That is put across my cabin door. And people know they don't come in. Now, what do you think about that, Carol? Well, I'm a pretty conservative CPA, Judith, so um, I, I don't know if I would say that that's a business deduction, although you are doing business. I get that, but I'd say maybe the cruise is your personal preference, that that's the way you choose to work and not really a legitimate business deduction, because here's the way you got to look at it. The IRS only lets us deduct expenses if somehow that expense is going to generate income that they can tax. Yeah, and we well, ought to think that way too, you know? Yeah, there's I'm no question. I'm going to spend money on something if I'm going to make money off of spending that money. Ah, but but for authors, I'm going to come back and counter you. And actually, I've okay. gone through an audit on this and cleared it quite nicely. Oh, good. Um, good. That, that if you can show, like water is my muse. I need water around me to get my creative juices going. That's it. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you move into... Um, to say all you need is a computer or pen and paper and write and you just sit at a desk ain't going to work for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And there, you, there is an environment that, especially for authors and the creative person, there is an environment that needs to come in play to get the, uh, the, the, the creative gods um, in action. And it doesn't mean I'm going to Tahiti, which is certainly surrounded by water, because the last thing I want to do is a 12-hour plane flight. But (laughs) that there are things that I will do that I know that I need to remove myself because I'm someone who gets 300 emails a day. And I'm someone who has constant phone calls coming in all the time that I really do have to separate myself to drill down to Mm -hmm. support the work of my clients as well as support my own work that creates revenues, which is what you're after. You have to be where you're creating. The the outcome is to create revenues versus do you just want to write a nice little story? Yeah. And and you've done what looks like serious work in the eyes of the IRS. I'm going on a cruise, too, but it is all with my family, all for pleasure. There's not going to be any business aspect at all. I don't expect to write off any any part of that trip. So you, you've got to... You know, uh, you got to think like the IRS and say, how am I going to justify it? And and you you treat it as um, as, as, as a as a legitimate 
business while you're there on that cruise. Like you said, Judith, you don't you don't even maybe get off the ship sometimes. You put up your tape. I'm just saying, folks, be careful out there because that you you may not win that. Judith, you said you did win the audit, but uh, there's a lot of people that that won't win that argument. No, I can can bring it in and document, but I will also say I had to uh, secretly meet a client on a cruise, a transatlantic cruise that we did last fall because it was the safest place for him to be that no one would know where he was at. Now, how's that? Yeah, wow. Wow. I know, that fun? You lead an interesting life. Okay, so let's move on. So we have not finishing the book is certainly there. And then we come back with, um, I think, mistake number two would probably, you've already alluded to it, you've talked about it, is not doing some detailed record keeping. Right, yeah. I'll get clients that say, you know, I have these expenses. I, I don't know what they are. Well, I can't make them up. We can't make them up on the tax return, and nor can we put down an estimate. I had one tax client that said, Oh, I think my mileage was 600 at the beginning of the year, and the last half of the year was probably the same. Sorry, not good enough. <laughs> you got to have records in order for us to take the deduction. So, can't guess, can't estimate. You got to have the records. All right, and then, and then, Carol, what about? Um, we've got two more minutes before we go to our next break. But what about how how do authors pay themselves? What's the what's the strategy that you would well, do? Well, yeah, most authors are sole proprietors, and it's it's an incorrect thinking to say you pay yourself. So I had, I had one of my tax clients call me because um, he was a little upset because he had to pay so much in taxes, and he said, Carol, didn't you duck the paychecks I gave myself from the taxes I owe? And I thought, i got to correct your thinking. i got to correct your language. Sole proprietors don't give themselves paychecks. There's no payroll for a sole proprietor. So proprietor gets taxed on every leftover dollar, meaning profit. The way you take money out is this thing we accountants call an owner's draw. So I had to teach him the right language to use to correct his thinking. When you have money sitting in your checking account and you don't think you need it on the business, move some out. Write a check to your personal checking account, make a nice round dollar amount, and call it in your in your record keeping an owner's draw. You are drawing money out. That's how you, quote, pay yourself. But you're going to be taxed. On all of that, your owner's so draw is not a tax deduction like that. So it will be like a paycheck, but without taxes and Social Security and all those lovely things coming out of it. But you're still going to have to declare it, and self-employment tax will come into play. Would that be correct? You you don't pay taxes on your owner's draw. You pay it on correct. the profit that the owner's draw came out of. The, the profit meaning the owner's draw and what you leave in the business. So it's a... It's a, it's, I wish I could draw a picture of it for you, Judith. I, that's what I did for my client. I drew arrows and bubbles and showed them. Maybe I should put that up on my blog. But uh, you pay you pay taxes on your total profit. Some of that profit you're going to scrape out as owner's draws, put in your personal mm-hmm. life. Some you may leave in the business for the future All expenses right. of the business. But we're going to come back and, and finish up on owner's draw, and then we'll come in with a variety of other items in our last 15 minutes. This is Judith Browse. My guest is Carol Pop. We're talking authors, taxes, and writing. This is your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. And we'll be right back with more great information right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Do you sell stuff? Do you want to sell books? Lots of them? 
If yes, you must take credit cards, the most widely used form of payment today. The free terminal has created a special program for your guide to book publishing listeners. No contract, all equipment is free. Extremely low rates and no termination fees ever. Contact Alan Dean at Alan at thefreeterminal.com or call him at 303-668-6828. The Free Terminal has handled all credit card transactions for both Author You and Judith for over a year. Don't wait another day. Contact Alan at thefreeterminal.com or call 303-668-6828 and tell him you want the no-contract Author You deal. shepherding concept is simple. The publishing world is changing, and so must you. You need an experienced shepherd and a guide to partner with you as you create, strategize, develop, publish, and achieve your publishing goals. You can't do it alone without paying the price. You can spend your money creating a book that turns out to be so-so, or you can create a book that looks and feels classy, builds your brand, and is a financial success, a bestseller. It's your choice. You choose. You need the book shepherd. Publishing is riddled with obstacles, sometimes nightmares for the author. You don't need problems, you want solutions. Dr. Judith Browse will shepherd you through the maze and the chaos. At times, she's had to step in and rescue a book, a book that has been sabotaged by a publisher or by a publishing service provider or sometimes even the author themselves. Judith Browse is the book shepherd if you want to create a book with no regrets. Give her a call today, 303 303- 8852207 that's 3038852207 or email her at judith@briles.com by the way briles is spelled b r i l e s follow judith on twitter at my book shepherd and on facebook at the book shepherd At Total Printing Systems, customer service is our priority. We are located in Southern Illinois. Our employees have an average of 18 years experience and know that customer relationships are important to our continued success. We have been a short-run book printer for nearly 40 years and always stay at the forefront of technology. Our niche is from 1 to 5,000 copies. Today, we offer digital black and white and four-color high-speed inkjet printing, a cost-effective way to introduce color into your short-run titles. We, of course, offer traditional offset printing as well. Bindery is done in-house, from adhesive case binding to PUR perfect binding to mechanical binding of all types, including side sewing. We provide warehousing, kitting, distribution, inventory management, a new print-on-demand facility, streaming browser-based eBooks, and bookstore. Call us at 1-800-465-5200 for a quote on your next book project. You can also visit our website at www.tps1.com. Welcome back to your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask on the Rockstar Radio Network. If you want to write and publish a book, if you want to be successful as an author... Your guide to book publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, is for you. Stay tuned and you'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now to get you published. So let's get back to the show. And here again is your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Hi, 
as we came uh, came into that final break, we were talking about owner's draw, and Carol brought up, Carol Topp, CPA, who specializes with authors and writers, talked about that there is a fine line and a difference here, and people get them confused. So I said, well, let's just throw a scenario out. Let's say that you had a decent year. Let's say that you had $50,000, and, and by the way, when you're listening to this, when people talk money, coming from a money background, they always use round numbers you know you'll see your 10,000 100,000 blah 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 because it's easy to multiply those things so that we can't come in you know I, I just don't want you to get confused but let's say that we come down we have $50,000 in revenues so 5 and 4 O's and that we have bought a new computer and we have bought some software programs and we have attended a few conferences and, and we've done some things and we have a home office so that we've got an accountant who've talked about office deductibility and Carol you might want to tap on that too what's, what's legit and what's not and um, um, and we've got basically roughly $20,000 that we can, we've got good solid records, I spent this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And we've got 30000 left over and you would like to take some money. So Carol is saying owner's draw. So mm-hmm. 50000 now we've, we've got 20000 that's been allocated towards legit in your opinion, expenses, and mm-hmm. we got thirty thousand dollars, and you'd like to put some money in your pocket, Carol. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know you can do this on a quarterly basis. That's the best way. Don't wait to the end of the year to know what your profit is. <laughs> um, but yeah, say your profit is thirty k, and you want to take out twenty five k. We call it an owner's draw. Just write a check to yourself. It gets recorded in software. If we want to talk about software, on what's called the balance sheet. Um, and then you're left, you leave in the checking account 5000 That's perfectly legitimate. The IRS is invisible to the $25,000 you took out of the Norris draw. They could care less. They're going to tax you on that $30,000 of profit. And they're going to tax you income tax, and they're going to tax you self-employment tax at 15% on that same 30 k So you're going to be paying at least probably 30%. Of, I'm saying 15% for federal income tax, 15% for self-employment tax, which is the same as Social Security and Medicare for us self-employed people out there, on that 30k of profit. So when you take an owner's draw, we're not mm-hmm. your 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 company does not issue a W-2. Correct. They do not do that unless you're a corporation and you're withdrawing a salary. Okay, but That's no, we're animal. talking about yep. 90% of authors, sole proprietors. Yep. Yep, no, no W-2, no paycheck. It's, that's why it's called something different. It's called an owner's draw. You're just drawing money out of the business for your personal use. And not even a 1099? Nope, nope, because you're a sole proprietor. You don't pay yourself. You withdraw money from your business. Okay, different language because so- that affects our thinking, so let's use different language to think right. I know, and see, that's where I think a lot of people get mixed up, Carol, because they think, yeah. because they think oh, wait a, minute, wait a minute, if it's over $600, you've got to listen, issue a 1099. Not to yourself. <laughs> Not to yourself. So remember that, dear listener, that you've got that area. All right. So we've got that. Now, what I'd like to do is that I think it's very important if someone's going to work with someone like you, which you're not everywhere, and or they're, they're, they're thinking, well, you know what? Maybe I need a little advice. I need a little help. What mm-hmm. questions should they ask a tax professional that will give them strong clues that they know what they're talking about and they can be service to you. 
Yeah, I have I have a chapter in the in the book called Working with an Accountant. The book is called Business Tips in Texas for Writers, and I but I took part of that chapter and put it on my blog, so you can find over at Texas for Writers. Go go search on accountant or hit the little keyword accountant, and you'll find this list. But you should ask them, um, uh, you know, do you have any authors, published authors, as clients, and tell me about some of them. So you get an idea of this if this CPA or this this tax expert. Of course, I'm going to recommend a CPA because we're not just tax preparers; we're we're business mm-hmm. consultants. You know, just do they know my business? Um, can you give me two or three names as referrals? You know, um, and then things like how much do you charge? How often am I billed? What basically what are you doing for me? And what is it going to cost? Sometimes you can even ask them like. Uh, a question, explain what LLC status would do for me and to see how good this CPA is at explaining complex things to you. And if they if they just brush you off and say, oh, you don't need that, maybe you don't want to work with that CPA, but if the CPA starts explaining things to you, starts, starts teaching you and has that, that heart of a teacher, that's the kind of person you want to work with. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that I, I used to have certain rules um, when I was referring people out, especially in the financial arena, when I was so up to my eyeballs in it. And that whether if you're working with an insurance person, a real estate person, a, a CPA, and I also have a, a bias towards CPAs, all right, um, that that in, in at least in that arena for that kind of accounting um, uh, and, and individual taxes, that you work with someone who has been in the business of doing what they're doing for at least five mm-hmm. years. And why is nope. this? Yeah. Wow. And, and, that's, that's good. You're, you know, you're not going to find many, many CPAs that have written books, though, or published. That. Maybe no. a few more, but you're not going to find many of them. That's no, true. no, no. The, the CPA doesn't have to publish book. I want them to be working with authors who have published oh, books. Oh, right. right clients. Because yeah. They, as you all know, things change and there's different areas. And they, they also, it's important for them to understand the, we do have, we authors, oddball eccentrics <laughs> about us. And that um, it's, it's just really critical uh, to get it and understand it versus saying, I'm just, do, just doing it. I remember saying to mm-hmm. a client who was telling me that her nephew was just becoming a stockbroker. And I said, and what were you, and what are you going to do? And she says, well, I'm going to give him some money and, and encourage him. And I know he'll do a great job and he'll take care of it. And I said, wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> What you're going to do is encourage him and certainly hope he does a great job and cheerlead for your nephew, Huey, but you're not going to give him a stinking nickel because 80% of people who handle money-related things um, are going to be dropping out within the first year. And of that 20 Three to five year test. Is that what you said, Judith? You want them to have some experience? Yep. I want them to have three to five years of working with people who are like me because they, 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 they're in the mode. They understand what's, what's legit, what's not legit, what, what has flexibility, what can have a stretch. Um, and if you've got the support and the documentation and the rationale and all that, that it is arguable if it does take the deduction, etc. I just think it's a smart yeah. way. Uh, to do business, it's the way I did it. I wasn't afraid to go down and argue. Um, if not, I can remember one time where, I, as a speaker, that I had, um, I mean, I actually wrote off some of my clothes. I only wore them on the stage, mm-hmm. only on the platform. 
I had them specifically made, and I remember being audited. I hauled in a suitcase and pulled them out and pulled each one of them up for the IRS agent. I said, do you see me going grocery shopping in this? What do you think? How do you think? And they all became deductible. So, Yay, good for you. Wow. I, I'm a pushy broad, but... I, I, th- I think it's just important to do that. So ask those questions. Um, yeah. you know, how long have you been around? I think that that's a critical thing to do. I think it's important to ask for references. And when you ask for references, mm-hmm. I think it's critical that the references should have been with that person for at least three years. And this is mm-hmm. why. Because the first year, it's the honeymoon time. Everything is just wonderful. The, mm-hmm. the second year, it may start falling apart, and by the third year, things, you know, the, the, the divorce is in play. And, yeah. and, and, and also, don't be afraid to leave people. If they're not the right fit, if they're not growing That's with right. you, you may need to go on that. But also, have full respect for a professional, especially in the tax arena, who says, whoa, Charlie, and as you said, Carol, you're conservative. It's important mm-hmm. to have a conservative person on your team. Yeah, to bounce the ideas off, and then you can decide what you want. But yeah, I've I've stopped working with some clients because I thought you, you and I are not a good fit anymore. You know, you want to keep pushing this envelope, and I can't support some of the things you want to do. So I and, refer them to somebody else. Yeah, and that's important to do. So last question: How, what, what when we're working with someone like you, what would we expect to pay? There are some studies out there about what tax returns cost. The average tax return costs about $250 for a sole proprietorship. You can easily add on another 100 or $200 each. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're talking, you know, four or $500. And you should not just be getting some paper. You should be getting some, some advice and, you know, have a little time with that CPA to say, hey, are there some things I should, can be able to reduce my taxes, that kind of stuff. So a little bit of a consultation. I usually spend an hour with my clients when they drop off their information and then add another hour when they pick it up. Yep. And, um, and I, but, but, one, one other thing we need to say that a smart advisor is going to bring in their clients at least once a year and say, okay, what's what's the plan? Where are you going? So they can start planning yeah. together. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of what, uh, what what we do. We're not just, like I said, CPA is not, I just don't want to be a tax preparer. Matter of fact, I don't want to take any more tax clients, but I want to be a business consultant. I want people to see me as the CPA for writers. So, you, you you know, you set up an appointment. We do a phone call. I can do that with anybody in any 50 okay. states now. Um, that All kind right. of thing. And you can All use right. your own personal tax preparer. Yep. Carol, I'm going to thank you. We're out of time. All of you, I will see you at the extravaganza. Plan on May 1 to 3 next year. If you didn't get in, we're sold out. I'm Judith Bryles. It's your guide to book publishing. Thank you for being a part of your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. With your host, Dr. Judith Bryles.